Hi, Faded Fam. How's it going? Hope all is well. Uh, this week, we are going to take a little bit of a different path uh, and just kind of sway back to one of our old vault files uh, after episode three. This was actually recorded following Mom's episode, Liz, uh, as our first podcast guest. And as I was listening back to it, I realized there's some really good content in there that we haven't shared on the podcast. We did share on our social channels as a video, so I've converted it to this audio file for you. I feel like there's some really good nuggets of information out there. And just as a good kind of pause and reset uh, before we get into our newer episodes next week that we're really excited about, felt like this was a good segue. Topics that we cover, uh, Mom, Chris, and I are um, a lot of the topics that were based on questions you as listeners submitted uh, at the time. We've, we've continued to get similar questions coming into our inbox and through our private messages as we've gone through this, but um, just some really good tips as you go, uh, especially for those who are trying to figure out how to handle loved ones. We discuss locking up the bar. You have a bar in your house. What do you do about it? Is that a tough situation for somebody that might be struggling? We weigh in on that. We talk about loved ones in partnership, spouses, partners, whoever you may be as a loved one, um, aligning and making sure that you're coming at a, a struggling loved one um, in alignment and making sure that you know there there are um, not different stories or different reasons or feelings about how to approach that. We talk about relapse just a little bit and the fears that my mom may have had or not had about Chris relapsing and, and the way she feels about that now, now that he's relapsed twice and um, has, has continued through to nine years of sobriety. We talk a lot about limiting panic and really the approach to a loved one that is struggling uh, in your life, how to handle that, what happens if they're just not ready to get better, uh, what do you do? How do you approach that? What do you say? How do you take care of yourself? Uh, and Chris and mom do a great job of kind of give and take of, of their thoughts on that topic. So really felt like, again, this would be a, a good little pause here for you all. We hope you get something out of it. Uh, we're really excited for some of the upcoming episodes we have on deck, and we hope you've continued to listen uh, through these 17 episodes, and uh, happy listening for this little teaser. Okay, we've got uh, Mom and Chris on the line. Thank you guys for joining. Um, listen, you are our first podcast guest, which is so much fun. And um, what do you think so far about the response and being our guest and everything? I'm blown away. On? It's such a blessing. Um, no doubt that God didn't guide us to do this. There's so yeah. many people wanting great questions are coming in. A uh, lot of interest. People asking for help. It's phenomenal. I mean, it's just, um, it's just great. You've, you, you two have done such a great job. Thanks so much. Chris, what do you think? It's been pretty crazy, right? It's been amazing. <laughs> the coolest part about it is that people are opening up about um, personal struggles or struggles within their families or friends and yeah. feel more comfortable talking about it openly uh, in general now. I've had a couple of people reach out and say that they now feel comfortable talking about their family or their own uh, mental health scenarios or situations 
And I think it's just because it just takes a group of people talking about it for it to set the ball rolling. So yeah, totally agree. Awesome. Well, we want to keep rolling. And part of that is um, we, uh, mom, your episode was, was pretty darn popular, um, which is no surprise. And I think parents out there are just very eager to ask more questions. Uh, we prompted questions and thank you all for who submitted questions in. There were a ton of them, a lot of which had um, a good amount of crossover. So I'm just going to ask a couple. Um, this will just be a quick session to follow up for everybody that is asking questions. And then we'll continue with episodes in the coming weeks. But so mom, first for you, um, I think th this is kind of a funny one, but we talked at one point about you and dad kind of trying to figure out what to do at, at, at some point when, when Chris came back. And I can't remember exactly what part of the story it was at, but we talked about putting a lock on the bar at home. And I think a lot of parents probably struggle with this right now, right? It's like, what do you do, right? Your, your kids come back rehab, you know that, that there's issues there. And you know, how, what is the right move as a parent now? First, if they're worried about it, but if they have a kid going through this, do you put a lock in the bar? Do you remove all alcohol from the house? Like, what in the heck do you do if you're worried about substances in your home? Really good question. First of all, maybe we should have had a lock on the bar long before this happened. And maybe, you know, that that could be an option. Um, you know, we as it was after his first rehab and we didn't take again, we didn't take the counselor's advice. We brought him home. So we put him in back into the into our home. And we thought locking the bar up, uh, we, he could not get into. We do know that. I, I would like to hear Chris's answer on this, but I, I think basically you could get rid of all alcohol in your house, but then you're changing. I don't know how, how I want to say this. You're changing all of your behaviors to try to fix somebody else's behavior. Right. And it really, I believe it really has to come, as Chris has, has said many, many times, it has to come from that person being able to not look for that liquor. Yeah. And Chris, I would love to know, like, does it, I mean, does removing all of that for me, the way that I would think about this is, okay, everything is removed from the house. So you don't have access to it there, but would you have found it somewhere else anyways? Like, I guess the big question with parenting, right. Is do you, do you kind of guide kids and, and give them a healthy environment to maybe learn slowly? I don't know. There's a lot, there's a lot to unpack here, but Chris would love to know your thoughts too, just on this question. Yeah, I wouldn't, I would have found it anywhere. Yeah. Like it, my truth is that I am a, a, I have the disease of addiction and mm -hmm. alcoholism and I would have found it yeah. anywhere. You right. putting a lock on the, <clears throat> cabinet with liquor in it makes it more difficult for me to get what I'm going to ultimately get anyways. And that was just my path. I think that if you were like, Hey, come have some drinks with us. And you were kind of like egging it on and, and, uh, yeah. it's just, it's inevitable for, for me. And I think if I'm not a parent, but if, and when I become a parent, I, I will have serious conversations with my kids about my um, truth and my history. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's all I can do is just provide the truth and then let my kids have their own experience and then be there to help if they find themselves in the same predicament. Yeah. Cool. Let's move on. Um, so mom, back to you. 
talk about you and dad through this. We touched on it just a little bit in the episode of, you know, you guys coming together as a couple and two people that raised three kids and now have to deal with this. But were you guys aligned on what to do and when to do it and kind of how to get through this? Tell us a bit more about the partnership through this and if there were any kind of like at odds moments. Um, I think a lot of people are curious about that. Interesting. Um, well, it, it happened so quickly. Mm-hmm. And I'm, it's, it's kind of like I'm the mama bear. I, you know, when my child is hurt, I'm going to find a solution yeah. as quickly as I can. And mother's intuit, intuition is um, move fast. And I, now that I know, like when he was asking for help, mm-hmm. I didn't even know then how lucky I was that I was able to find information on the internet and then find that counselor that getting that counselor within 24 hours. Um, because I had no idea. And he was the one that was able to see through Chris and ask Chris a number of questions, ask me separately questions that made it all go fast. I am a fixer by nature. Mm -hmm. So dad was not upset with me. Um, it's funny because when the person asked the question, I never even dawned on me, but you know, I went, I went back and I immediately said, were you angry with me that I moved so fast without your, you know, your help or your okaying it? You know, Mm -hmm. I knew the insurance would cover it. So that was not an issue. He was, you know, um, still on our insurance. So were we on the same, we were pretty much always on the same, same page. And I think that, that learning those four days of learning about the disease really helped us get on the same page at the same time. There's a tremendous amount of guilt. So we had to keep each other level-headed about that. And, you know, they kept telling us, it's not about you, it's about him. So we had to just take that guide and go with it. And um, no, I think pretty much we were finally found a solution. Yeah. to a problem that we didn't understand was there, but we kind of had a feeling something was there. So yeah, yeah. We were both you guys the- are, uh, you guys are a pretty darn good team anyways. Ah. So that also makes a difference. <laughs> that does um, make a difference. <laughs> I think there's, there's one more that actually a few people asked, and that was what were we as the family, really me and Megan and dad, I guess, were we upset with you for just kind of going and doing and bringing him to rehab? No. Not at all. I think we've, we've had, you know, same, same goes for the story with you and dad. Our family is close enough that we have a ton of trust. Um, and you know, you calling me when I was at work, you guys calling Megan from the road. Um, and then dad, when you got home, I think we, we all trust you mom and, and, and each other, but it was, you know, when you said, Hey, you're, you know, your brother's, um, addicted to pills. And I just took him to rehab. I was like, okay, like, what do we need to do now? Right. It, there was certainly no sense of, well, wh- why weren't we in the loop or like, it's just not really how we work. And I don't know if different families would be different from us, but to me, um, especially with it being so unknown, there was no, certainly no issue with that. <laughs> and there was a window of opportunity and I had to jump on it and all the doors opened at the, at the right time. So yeah. Yep. And we've talked about that window of, of opportunity and you didn't even know that at the time. Um, no, I didn't. <laughs> luckily you found it. Uh, and then I think last one before we get to, so two, two to go, 
So as far as just Chris now, and we just adore Chris, you know, for everything you are and, um, and how strong you are and um, what you've taught us. Mom, if, if for any reason uh, Chris were to get into trouble again, to relapse or to go through something, do you think that you would see signs? And I know that we're not really together, or maybe let's spin this to, if you could go back now knowing what you know to those times, are there things that maybe red flags or things that you would have now noticed knowing the education that you've gone through? Absolutely. He did relapse twice. So I did see things and I immediately did pick up on it. And, and again, um, the difficult part is addicts are manipulators, master manipulators, liars, thieves, uh, you know, all the good stuff, right? It's hard to trust somebody once you figure it out. So that's, that's a really hard thing. That's a lot of families go through that. It's so hard to trust because you don't want to be fooled again. But you've got to take a leap of faith for your loved one and just say, okay, you've got, you've got me until you lie again or steal again or use again or do whatever it is. So you asked it a different way too. Than yeah, which was if you were to relapse now, like, would you see signs? Um, it's tough because we don't live. I would. I think I would because Chris had a pattern of diarrhea of the mouth, if you will. Like he would... One of the one of the things that was really, really uh, telling that I didn't talk about in the other episode was when Chris was guilty, he would come home and tell me stories about other people mm-hmm. doing th- drugs, acting a certain way or, you know, and what he was really doing was telling me the story about himself to see what my reaction was going to be. Mm-hmm. Right, Chris? I don't remember. Probably. You don't remember. And, and, and interesting. Yeah. So he would tell a story, say it was, uh, he would say it was one of his friend's names, but it was actually him mm-hmm. that he was testing the waters to see how I would react. And I yeah. finally caught on to that. Yeah. And, you know, if there were these tremendous stories coming out again, that red, red flag, the more, the longer that they, that they're sober, the more your heart becomes at ease. Yeah. I have recurring nightmares every once in a while that Chris starts using again. Mm-hmm. I don't know what, why it makes me feel horrible. I'm sure that happens to a lot of families. But what I do is I just, I get on the phone with him the very, that mm-hmm. very morning and say, Hey, how you doing? And, you know, and then I realize mm-hmm. that, you know, dreams aren't real. <laughs> so okay. um, yeah, I, would, I think I would know. How do we, on the same note, just a quick one before we go to our last question, how do we get parents to, and loved ones, sorry, to understand it? And this may be too, too tough of a question for people that, that aren't familiar with addiction, but I think there's a fine line between kids that are going to experiment when they're younger and kids that actually are addicted. And so, um, especially people that are listening to this, I feel like me if I didn't know anything, I am absolutely the type of person that would be like hunting things down after listening to this, right? Like trying to pay attention. Like I would be Uber, like trying to solve the crime, but we've got to be careful too, because not just because a kid is having a drink or smoking weed does not mean that they're addicted. So 
any advice from either of you, I know I'm just throwing this out of left field, but like on, on how to kind of just pay attention to the right red flags or any comments on that at all? Um, or is it too tough to answer? <laughs> I have a comment. So yeah. the first thing that popped up in my head was when they did the just say no campaign or whatever. Right. And I think a lot of people thought that was brilliant and it was going to save a bunch of people's lives and like be the key to stopping drug addiction and whatever. And like, if people could just say no and stay away from it and that be enough, like, okay, we found the cure for right. this whole, this whole thing. And mm -hmm. my, my deep down honest view towards this whole topic is that people are going to go down their own paths. And I think that the, the most powerful conversation that, that I could have with a loved one is, Hey, the disease of alcoholism and drug addiction is in your family and in our family. And mm -hmm. if you find yourself going down a path that you feel like you're slipping and you're scared, or you feel like you're losing control and you may have mm -hmm. similar traits to what I had or what people in our family in the past have had, like, just please tell me and I won't judge you because me telling somebody there's a, there's a portion of like the step work and everything where it says frothy emotional appeal seldom suffices and froth is lighter than foam. So like me throwing an, an, an emotional statement at you, like don't do drugs or you're going to die. It has zero, it has zero depth and zero weight to it. And it will not change someone's mind, whether they're going to do it or not, you know? Mm -hmm. So the only thing that I, I can do moving forward in my life with other people is here are the facts about alcoholism and drug addiction. And if you ever find yourself running into a situation where you feel like this could be you, like, please trust me enough to come talk to me. I won't judge you. And other than that, you leave it up to the universe and you leave it up to their story. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you have a red flag, don't let it go, yeah. but don't, you know, just, just be, be vigilant, watch, have conversations start conversations communicate and you know it, again i think if if i had paid attention to my red flags earlier mm -hmm. i probably it's it was chris's journey to go through it was a journey that our family me. needed to go through so <laughs> would not have stopped me yeah um but no yeah it, you just have to be be ready but be prepared get educated yeah. And I think I, I also think that like, I'm not saying for people to just ignore everything and be like, well, he's smoking yeah. weed in the room, like some 16 year olds, like smoking weed in the room and doing lines of coke, whatever. Like that's, I don't think that everyone should just ignore everything and just be like, well, that's part of his journey. Let him do it. I think that that's enabling and, and shouldn't do that. But I also think that like, trying to scare your kids and scare your loved ones to stop is just not, it's just not a tactic that's ever going to work. Yeah. Well, that's, that's what we start with. Well, it's, be, it's because we come, come to this with no information of really exactly. what it is. And that's what we're trying to do here is get people to think it through a little different way. Yeah. These conversations are really important. Yeah. You know. I love both of those. Get educated and have conversations. It's, that's awesome. Um, and good segue into the very last question. Thank you, guys. Which is, 
a number of people are asking um, the question about a loved one that is not ready to get better. And Chris, we do address this on a future episode, but um, I think we can get a bit more specific here. And if, if somebody's got a loved one that's not ready to get better, what should you as a loved one do about that? And a lot of the answer we know is to take care of yourself, but a lot of people don't know what that means. So mom, I would love to go to you first. Just if, if that were the case for you, if you knew Chris was just, just wasn't budging, you've had conversations, you've kind of tried to influence, but like, what, what do you think is a, is a good answer? Um, or if you want to deflect to Chris first, up to you. Um, learn about what's going on as fast as you can. There's so, there's so much information out there now with books and podcasts and articles and, you know, which I didn't have. Right. Talk to people that you know have been through it. That's really, really helpful. The people that I go, the, mostly moms, but the families that I've gone through over the last, help in the last nine years, I think that they would all probably say, I just wanted to talk to somebody I didn't know who to talk to about it, but find someone that's gone through it or a family that's gone through it. And um, yeah, I mean, love them through it. Chris, maybe you can give a little bit to that. Well, I think that it's, it's kind of a loaded topic because when do you, like if someone's an open, like if someone's like openly a heroin addict or something yeah, and they're just like, I'm not going to stop. It's almost like, all right, when do you set up an intervention? Intervention, They're probably going to die. Or, or if someone an alcoholic or popping pill, like whatever it is, where do you draw the line where you, you just say all right i'm done and i need to take care of myself and and you're not willing to help yourself so i need to take care of myself i think that it's kind of like a combination of of both right like there are 12-step programs for uh loved ones and and families of drug addicts and alcoholics because they can use the drug addicts and alcoholics as their drug and drive themselves insane around it and uh you can get well around your family members and there are specific things for that but like all you can do from from my experience dealing with a lot of families and working at rehab centers and and watching this happen is you cannot enable so giving money like if if you know somebody is drinking themselves to death and or doing drugs and 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 completely just you know denying any any help whatsoever like don't give them any money whatsoever. Don't provide them shelter unless they want to get better. Like even when their resources are all gone, if you're helping them through that process and you're and you're um, giving them a space to continue doing what they're doing, mm-hmm. all you're doing is you're just prolonging the inevitable, and that's them not reaching their rock bottom because like there's every, there's a billion different rock bottoms you could hit. Mm-hmm. It's you're 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 just prolonging their path to hitting a point where they finally become willing and desperate enough to get better. So like, if you could think of any way possible to help someone get to a point to where they're finally going to become personally willing to get better, do that. And if you feel like they're never going to reach that point after you've stopped enabling them completely and they're still, you know, shooting dope 
on the street or, or whatever they're, they're drinking by themselves and not talking to anyone like yeah talk to an interventionist and talk to people who are professionals at it and um, get someone to intervene with the whole family and go approach them and say like this is the last this is our last you know hurrah of trying to help you get better because we can't do it anymore so. don't be fearful of trying to help your loved one because of how you think they're going to react i mean essentially they're killing themselves so mm -hmm. what's more fearful than that right Point. so right, right? Yeah. so if you uh if you can get on board with your your other loved loved ones family members friends whatever and have conversations to say hey let's approach this person or let let's just just start somewhere by having conversations but again as we said not in anger yeah. not in guilt but just look you know we're concerned we love you we'd love to help help you get help you know yeah and, and just you got to start somewhere right never talk to an addict or alcoholic out of guilt it, it no. will do nothing but make things worse or anger or anger yeah it does nothing right oh. it just makes them feel worse which will make them drink or use more right, <laughs> right? good stuff we're not done here that's for sure but we definitely wanted to give the people what they wanted <laughs> which were yeah. answers to questions so um, this is great. Thank you guys for hopping on. We will certainly continue this. Um, but for now, signing off. Love you guys. Thank you for everything. Love you. Bye. Bye. Bye.